the Punk Rocket Show, episode 78. My name is Emily Plamondon. I live in Quebec City in Canada and I'm super honored to be your host for another week. Let's share our punk rock passion together, my friends. Today it's a special episode because I'm gonna introduce you to our new sponsor, Iodine Recordings. It's a fantastic label and my guest today is Casey, the owner and the guy behind it. Also, you're gonna hear some music from Iodine's catalog and you're gonna listen to Smoke Our Fire, The Iron Roses, Hey Tanks, and Her Heads on Fire. I hope you are ready, punk rockers, because the show is starting now. Hello, hello. I hope you are doing great today. I'm feeling much better. I had to take last week off because I got COVID again. Yes, it's my second COVID I survived. <laughs> This one was easier than the first I got in December. Uh, but still, I needed some rest and my voice was so shitty. I was coughing a lot. <laughs> but I want to say thank you to Scott Alquist, the co-producer, and Aaron Bruski for having fun and do a special episode together. <laughs> I had a lot of fun listening to it, for real. They had a funny and great chat together. They played some repunkmendations. So thank you, guys. It helped a lot. It's much better than not having a show at all. <laughs> so since I had to rest for a week and I couldn't go out because I didn't want to spread this shitty virus, I stayed home. So I don't have a lot of things to say about my crazy punk rock life this week. So I, I didn't go to any shows. I didn't go buy some vinyl at my favorite local record store. <laughs> But I've been watched the series Dammer on Netflix and I thought it was a great, great, great show. And now I'm back on track and I'm gonna do some fun things in the next weeks. Some bands invited me to sing on the stage soon, like Itch and Go, my friends in my local scene here. They're gonna release their album and they asked me to sing a song with them. Also, there's gonna be a, <laughs> a emo night in Quebec City and the band called The Rock Show asked me to sing some Avril Lavigne and Paramore songs and I'm very excited excited about that. Last night I watched like Ailey Williams singing Misery Business for hours <laughs> just to get some tips on how I could sing this live. It's such a challenge but I love this song so I'm pretty excited about that stuff. I want to welcome our new patron Marc-André <laughs> from Sherbrooke in Quebec. He's a huge fan of NoFX. He also loves the band Choke. Oh yeah, that's good. Bad Religion, Randy, Propagandy, Big wig no use for a name he also loves other stuff like Foo Fighters The Cure Pink Floyd and Children of Bottom Cradle of Field and he also loves Madonna Sia and Shakira I agree with all of that Marc-André <laughs> he's also a fan of turntable and dogs welcome on board Marc-André merci beaucoup pour le support Okay, it's time to start the episode. Today it's a special one, like I told you in the introduction. Because we are welcoming our new sponsor. So now, on top of having EpicMerchStore.com, we now have Iodine Recordings for a few episodes. 
And I wanted to talk to you a little about my vision of sponsorship. Because for me, it's not just like having a brand or a company, a business who's sending me money for like visibility. It's very mutual. It's like mutual support. I truly want to help Epic Merch Tour and Iodine to grow I want them to receive more love for what they do because they are they are passionate people. But also it's because I think that you could be happy to discover their product, their vinyl, their merch, etc. So I think it's win-win-win. And also I truly feel that those companies believe in the podcast, in the Punk Rocket Show and in my work. And it feels great. So about Iodine, it's a label that I really like. I already interviewed some artists and bands on this label already. I interviewed Joe McMahon from Smoke of Fire, Nathan Gray of the Iron Roses, Audio Karate, and you're going to hear more in the next weeks. Also, Casey, the owner, is such a great guy. He has great values. He's super passionate about punk rock. He's super supportive in the punk rock community. So this sponsorship is definitely a great fit. And in the next weeks, you're going to hear some contents about Iodine. And you're going to see some stuff also on social medias. And today, my guest is Casey of Iodine Recordings. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Interview. So we chat about the great story behind the label, the hard work he has to do on a daily basis. We also talked about the amazing bands and artists catalog of Iodine, etc., etc. And during the interview, you're going to hear four songs, Beauty Fades from Smoke of Fire, Fun Charade from Hey Tanks, Rebel Songs by The Iron Roses. Oh, by the way, The album Rebel Songs is under the name Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses, but they decided to go as Iron Roses now. So that's why it might be confusing, but not that much. <laughs> and also you're going to hear the song Burn from the band Her Head's on Fire. Enjoy this chat. My dog might pop over at some point. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love all, all animals. How are you? Yeah. I'm good. How are you? I'm And great. How, how does it sound for you? It's perfect. Perfect. Beautiful sound. The image is great too. I love your Udi. Oh, thanks. I actually have a weird uh, rule. I don't wear band shirts uh, ever, but Avail is a really important <laughs> band for me. And it's the only band shirt or hoodie or whatever that i've bought in maybe 20 years whoa <clears throat> yeah that's that's how much that band means to me wow recently or like it's the old i got it at furnace fest <clears throat> oh. while i was down there that's rad oh but why don't you buy band shirts usually um i don't know <laughs> just not I, your thing i mean i used to wear them when i was younger but i I think my style gravitated away from band merch in general. Yeah. Uh, I used to tour full time as a roadie and a tour manager. And oh. I was always inundated with like free merch from bands. And I just stopped wearing band shirts altogether. But yeah. I would always wear label t-shirts because oh, yeah. 
I always felt like there's such a small group of label people that for me, it was never a competition. I just always wanted to support other labels. Ah, so that's I have a rad. whole closet full of label t-shirts, but I don't have a single band t-shirt until I got this. So <laughs> that's great. So if a, if a veil is listening, you are, you are special. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So I'm excited to talk to you about a lot of things today. Um, first of all, thank you for sponsoring the Punk Rocket Show for a few weeks. It's amazing. I love how we collaborate together. So absolutely. And, you know, just to touch on that for me, being involved in the label and music in general has always been about community. Exactly. Um, and so when I see other people doing cool things that really build this community up, I, mm -hmm. you know, I always want to partner and be, a, you know, be a part of it. And <clears throat> I think what you've been doing is great and you've got uh, a great voice and, um, thanks. you know, I hope that you know, some of our audience can help reach your audience and vice versa. Yeah, I think it's, it's like you said, it's a community and I don't feel any competition either. So whether yeah. it's between podcasters or labels or bands, it's like a very nice big family. But I want, I want to know more about you. You just talked to me about being a tour manager and stuff. But I suppose that if you start, <clears throat> if you started a label, means that you're a punk rock fan since probably a long time. So how did you get into music? Yeah, I mean, I grew up around music. My dad is a musician. Oh. Um, and he, for any uh, old school uh, hard rock fans out there, he was the drummer of the Jay Giles band, or he's one of the drummers of the Jay Giles band. So, I mean, I grew up around, you know, him playing and playing shows and yeah. he was around a lot of musicians and through that i got access to a lot of tapes and records at a mm -hmm. young age and so i was always a fan of music and it was in my early teens when i discovered punk for the first time and funny enough that we talk about avail avail was the second show i ever went to and oh like, yeah I want to say 94, 93, 94, wow. somewhere around there. Yeah. And I was just blown away. It was like, I was hooked after, I mean, I'm sure you hear these types <laughs> of stories all the time. And like, I had found my community, I'd find my people. And from that day on, I always wanted to be a part of the scene, whatever that meant. And wow. I started a band and, you know, we were, somewhat successful in the new england scene uh in boston what for, was the band it was a band called agent 84 oh yeah we never, it reminds we me never something. put a record out we never put a record out we recorded oh. a record and we had sent it to <coughs> uh, i want to say like 25 30 labels and it got rejected across the board you know and i was like well I'll start my own label and yeah, the that's kind of where exactly. So that's where it all started from. The band ended up breaking up. So the record never came out, but I started with a compilation project um, that, you know, through playing shows and through some of my you know, connections in the scene, I'd become friends with a lot of bands from new England and, Ooh. you know, and beyond And early on, even though this was my first release, I had a lot of pretty big bands offering to give oh. us songs for this compilation. And it was called Ghosts in the Gears. 
And the interesting thing about that time period in the mid nineties or the late nineties, you know, punk wasn't played on the radio and compilations were how people found out about exactly. And, you know, I mean, I, I have recollections of going to the store to buy some of the fat records comps or the epitaph comps or Mm -hmm. lookout comps. And, I mean, I would, I, my CD rack probably had a hundred comps in it just because that's, you know, that's the only way you could hear new music without exactly. buying a record sight unseen. Yep. So the release that we did, um, we ended up getting bands like Converge and Cave-In, oh. and like, you know, bands that ended up becoming, you know, really big. And so, you know, it had some smaller bands on there, but it became a really popular compilation. And so we started off you know, with this fairly big release and, um, you know, kind of went from there and it, it grew into something much bigger in the following years. And, um, yeah, sorry. Wow. I think I went off on a tangent there, but <laughs> no, it's perfect. I love to know the, the history of all of that. So, okay. So you started the label in the mid nineties. You said started in 96 as a distribution <laughs> or like, a a mail order distro. So we used to advertise in punk planet and heart attack and maximum rock and roll. Yeah. And, you know, again, this is all pre-internet, right? So exactly. That was people, one of my questions. Like yeah. what's the difference between having a label back in the days versus today? Because yeah. you, now you probably receive lots of submissions, but back in the days you, you had also to, to do some research because yeah there wasn't no yeah. no internet i mean it, we the label started as the distro just because i didn't have the money to put out a release mm. so what i would do is i would contact all these other labels that were up and running and i would buy as many seven inches or tapes or mm. cds i could at wholesale and we put together a monthly catalog that we would mail out to people And people would send us cash in an envelope and we would mail them, you know, a record and it did pretty well. And, (laughs) you know, there was a bunch of other distros doing the same thing, but I think iodine was known for finding some of these really hard to find underground, you know, like records that weren't being sold in the bigger distros, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, we were looking for like the real, you know, hard to find underground stuff. So, but yeah, the label was a lot different back then. And, um, you know, we did rely a lot more on print advertising and word Mm -hmm. of mouth. And, uh, you know, you probably remember this, but, you know, street teams. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'd go out on tour and we would recruit, you know, young college kids and stuff to join the street team. And we would mail them boxes of flyers to go to shows and hand out you know, postcards, you know, with the info in the new album or whatever it might be. I mean, it was, it was a lot harder to reach people. (laughs) Yeah. You know, nowadays it's, it's, it's easier and harder at the same time because Mm -hmm. the internet is just this, it's so big and social media is so big. It's hard to be seen. Um, Even with bigger bands, even with the, you know, a large number of followers, People are just getting hit with so much information oh, yeah. so quickly and so frequently so that true. it's harder to get stuff to stick. Um, and you know, you also, then, also you can get overwhelmed. So it's 
harder to be seen, but also you receive at the same time probably a yeah. lot of information. So how to deal with this? Like, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, back in the day, labels were kind of the, they were the, you know, the, the gateway to being heard as a band. Yeah. If you weren't on a label, no one heard you except for maybe your, your small town or your local mm -hmm. scene. Um, now anybody can release their music. So, you know, I, I forget the actual stats. So I might be inflating it here a bit, but I've heard, you know, like 600,000 songs a week get uploaded to Spotify. Um, might be more, might be less, but it's insane. And how you, how do you as a listener weed through all that to find the good stuff? Um, oh, yeah. You know, and, and in a way, I think that's why labels have kind of returned, um, you know, as being important again, because there is so much and the labels now kind of act as the curators mm -hmm. for, you know, going through all that music and deciding what is worth listening and what is worth, you know, mm -hmm. you know, putting out there to the world. Yeah. Oof. That's, that's so true. And I, I don't think a lot about back in the days, but I, I experimented that as a radio host too, because I started in 2004 and technology was very basic at, <laughs> at the time. And I had to work really hard to find music. I had to burn CDs every week with the people's uh, request. Uh, and now I can play whatever I want, like right now, but I have too much to listen to. So it's, like the balance yeah, the balance is is interesting to get <laughs> yeah it's it's a hard world to navigate now and, yeah you know and that's where some of these partnerships come into play and you know people team up together to help yeah you know and it's not to discredit you know the bands out there that are are trying no. it's just that as music fans, there's too much to weed through. And I think that's why a lot of people now gravitate towards what they know from 10, 20 years ago yes. versus listening to new music. Yes. Um, and in a way, that's kind of been the model of the label now is we are putting out a lot of old music mm -hmm. and we're putting out new music. And so the, the oh. goal there is that we are, you know, playing to kind of both extremes so that our new bands are being affiliated with, or at least like, you know, pictured with some of these older bands that are more well-known to try to give them some traction so that they, you know, can build an audience. If that, yeah, know, if that makes sense. I do the same thing with my playlist. It's like, Oh, I want to answer a need of nostalgia or something to people. Cause it's always fun to listen to like old lag wagon albums, yeah. but also like, I'm like, Ah, uh, I'm gonna like repunkment you some new stuff too, and you have to listen to. <laughs> yeah, which is great. Which is great. And uh, I'm I am fully at fault for neglecting a lot of new music. And you know, I, I work for I run a label, and it's <laughs> embarrassing sometimes, like how little I know about what's going on out there because I'm so in my own world that I. I forget to actually step yeah, out and but we you know, we I, can't be everywhere at the same time you know yeah i uh, because uh well i've been hosting this podcast for a year and a half and i i had some of your artists on the show already and one of the good 
interview I made was with Joe McMahon from Smoke or Fire. And I want to talk about that story, about the, their album, the re-edition of their album. And also, you told me you stopped in 2004. The label stopped. So what's yeah. the story with all of that? Yeah, and, and those two stories are very intertwined. Mm -hmm. So you know, the label grew... You know, we weren't as big as, you know, let's say Epitaph or Fat Records or anything like that. But we we were, I would say, a good-sized medium label. Mm -hmm. And we had a staff of about 10 people working for us. Oh, we had an office. That's a good team. Yeah, I think things were looking great. Um, but around the same time is when MP3 started to really blow up. And yeah, we didn't do a lot of vinyl back then. In fact, we, the records we did press on vinyl didn't sell great. They mm -hmm. sat on shelves for years. <laughs> um, so CDs were king and we press a lot of them because that's mm -hmm. what people were buying. And when MP3s really started to take off, especially with like the crowd sharing websites like Napster, um, Napster <laughs> and all the other ones. Yes. Um, Our sales just plummeted. Ah. And I mean, we would have a release day and within mm. minutes of the record coming out, it was uploaded to, you know, 10 different sharing sites. Oh, and yeah, it was, it, it was interesting because <laughs> our bands were getting bigger. Right. And so yeah. you go to a show and there we were selling more tickets. There were more people, you know, in line. Yet we were selling fewer and fewer and fewer records year mm. to year. And and this is before, you know, iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff really kind of came back into the picture in order to kind of regulate how people were sharing music. Yeah. And, and I'm not like dissing on anyone that, you know, burned CDs or, <laughs> or downloaded stuff because we all did it. But yeah, like for a small label, you know, our our profits were it marginal hurts. at best. It hurts a lot. You know, you shave a few hundred sales or even a few thousand sales off of, you know, a project that we we dumped, you know, tens of thousands of dollars into in, you know, months of time. Yeah. It really hurt us. Um, and so we started downsizing uh, mm. and we really wanted to keep a positive picture. Like we wanted to keep it going and we wanted to kind of weather the storm and figure out a way to get through to the other side. Mm -hmm. um, but our bills just kept getting bigger and bigger sure. and bigger. And there was like no money coming in at all. So when oh. <clears throat> um, where Smoker Fire comes into play was at, at the time, they were actually called Jericho. RVA. They were like in the oh, middle yeah, of a yeah, yeah. lawsuit with uh, some Christian band that yeah, had the sorry. same name. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it, we, we always laughed about it because it was like the least Christian thing you could do, right? Is like sue someone over a band name. Um, but they were still Jericho at the time that we did the record. Mm -hmm. And we it was the last record that we put out before the label went under. And <clears throat> I think, I mean, things were kind of like <clears throat> on the downward spiral with the label a few months prior. But again, we we were trying to keep a positive outlook and we're like, does this get through the next release? And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe that'll do it, What you know, whatever it might be. And the week that that record came out, 
it was just, it dawned on, it was me and my business partner. It dawned on us that there is no way we could like dig ourselves out of this hole. And it wasn't just the money. It was like the stress, the anxiety, you know, personally I was going through a a really deep depression and Mm. it was largely due to the fact that when you run a label, there's so many people that depend on you and like rely on you for support. And yeah, I was starting to feel that I was failing all these people that were my friends and people I cared a lot about. And it weighed on me so much that I just hit this breaking point where I was like, I don't see a way out of this. And if I keep, if we keep trying to push it, it's just going to let more and more and more people down. And so we walked away. We Mm -hmm. sent a message out to all the bands and just said, Hey, as of today, the label is shutting down. Um, Uh, We still had distribution. mm -hmm. So we sent, you know, we told everyone your records will continue to be distributed by Revelation Records. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's not like it's not going to be out in the world. It's just not going to have us behind it, pushing it and promoting it. Um, You know, and to get back on the financial side, we, I spent the better part of the next 10 years, like paying off the debt that that we had accrued. Like it was a lot. So Gosh. I mean, more than most people pay to go to college. <laughs> so, oh, hurts so, to hear that. You know, yeah. For 17 years, uh, you know, I, I, I lived life. I traveled the world. I kind of did things that I had neglected when I was younger because I was so focused on the label. Mm-hmm. And, but it never sat right with me. It always gnawed at me that the way it ended and oh. how. I had let people down and there were people disappointed and most people understood. It wasn't like people had a lot of like resentment or anger, but you know, people had faith that the label was going to do great things. And yeah, for a band like smoke or fire who, you know, they had dumped their life into this record and it just like, didn't happen. Uh, (laughs) I I understand so much. how you failed? Yeah. Thank you. And so when the label, finally started to like the idea started to come back to bring it back. Um, it was important to me that it wasn't just about starting the label back up and, you know, going full force. Mm-hmm. I went back to every band, every single band that was on the label and, you know, gave them a pretty long story about, Hey, like if I'm going to do this, I want you to be a part of it. And I want to have the, the opportunity to have a second chance and do it right. And Joe was one of those people that we hadn't talked in again, almost 17 years. And I reached out and we connected and we've become really close friends. And it's been like such an amazing opportunity, not just to put this record out again with him, Mm -hmm. but to really develop that relationship with him and the rest of the band again. And give it the attention and love that it deserved. And, you know, it, it, that has been like the best part about coming back is just wow. these, these relationships and, and making, I don't say making amends. Cause I, but kind just, of, I think it's yeah. kind of, but because yeah, you just, had it on your mind, you felt like that you need to finish something about that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's been humbling, not not just from that side, but from the fan side. You know, we people were really excited to see us come back, and 
there's been a lot of enthusiasm for our releases and it's it's been it's crazy because i think the label is more successful now than it was when it was at its height 20 years ago mm-hmm. um, and we've put out more releases i think in the last two years than we did our full catalog back then wow. so we've almost doubled our catalog Holding me back from telling the truth 
catalog right now. How do you choose the band? Do you have a specific sound in mind or whatever? Because the the bands are like from different genres. So how do you pick the bands? Is it because of a specific sound or more like a vibe or values? Because so far the bands I interviewed on your label are so, so many great people. But like, what else do you feel? Everything you just said and more. So... One thing I've always prided the label on is not having a specific sound. And I've always modeled iodine after labels like Sub Pop, who, you know, what they release is all over the map. Mm -hmm. And, but they're known for their quality. And mm -hmm. that's always been my goal is that if you buy an iodine release, you're getting something that is good quality and that yeah. it, it's not just the sound of the audio, but it's packaged well. You know, the artwork is done well. The everything oh about it just God, feels. Oh my God, yes. But that, this yeah. is so true. The vinyl uh, you sent me are top quality. Like yeah. the the artwork too. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that that's always been really important to me, just making sure that everything is executed in a way that makes the releases feel special. So as far as the genres and the the sound, it's it's always been a reflection of my music taste, which has always been diverse. Mm -hmm. And I never judge a band based on, oh, they're a punk band or they're a hardcore band or they're a, a metal band. I, I rate each record that we release on its own merit. And the relationships are a huge part of that. And you know, all of the artists I work with, I have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. And going back to what we said at the beginning, you know, it's always been about community. And so when we decide to work with an artist, there's long conversations to really decide if they fit yeah. into our community and that they're going to work well with the other artists and that, you know, there's going to be collaborations and just... And, you know, I, I, again, I pride myself on that. We have done that work and we have collected just some really mm -hmm. amazing people and they're all diverse. They all come from different backgrounds and it's cool because I think that, you know, someone who listens to a band like Jerome's dream, who is really heavy and loud and, and abrasive, um, may not listen to Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses, exactly. you know, yeah, which yeah, is... Yeah way more like you know upbeat uh melodic yeah but it's cool to see when people kind of step out of their comfort zone with our releases and check out another band mm -hmm. that may not be what they typically listen to and you know kind of like what you were saying before like curating just like oh well iodine does cool stuff so i'll at least give it a chance maybe yeah maybe it's not i do thing, that a lot with labels like oh yeah okay, I love those two bands. I'm going to check what they have. Or yeah. because I'm a, a vinyl fan, I'm like, oh, their colored vinyl are, are so rad. I'm going to check the other ones. Like, yeah. uh, and, and between punk rock fans, we do that. Like, hey, did you see on this label uh, that colored vinyl is great? So, And we start to incorporate the, the label's names in our punk rock conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 
uh, forget what I was going to say about that, but talking about the mix of genres and different bands. Yeah, it, it it's just always been about you know what what is something that I you know have I resonate with. Yeah, um, and you know we. I keep keep losing my train of thought here. <laughs> but I I think it's great because you you listen to your own taste because you probably want to have fun with this project with the label. Uh it's not just about business. You have to like enjoy a lot of Absolutely. But yeah. I want to know what is your day-to-day tasks in the for the label? Like you get up and you <laughs> When you, and like you answer emails I, and then you approach bands. So what are the kind of I stuff you do? I put out fires all day long, it feels like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just had this conversation earlier with a friend. And it's funny because I think a lot of people think running a record label is this like sexy thing. You know, you're <laughs> hanging out with bands, you're going to concerts. And it like it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, yeah. Most of the job and most of running a label is it's like an office job. You're, you're doing project management. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're working in spreadsheets and you're calculating royalties or you're, you're doing profit loss scenarios of, okay, we, we have to pay this pressing plant X thousands of dollars and we, Uh, you know, we sold this many records. And so, okay, what's the split on that? Um, you know, the, the A and R side or dealing with the bands is, is what I would consider the more fun part. Um, but even that it's it's work i mean you're you're usually like damage controlling different situations whether it might be oh the merch didn't ship on time for a show or the oh. you know the vinyl's going to be delayed for whatever reason and you're trying to sort out all these issues and Oof. try to make people happy and um but yeah i mean i i spend all day at my computer either answering emails on the phone trying to you know, coordinate different projects. And then I spend a lot more time these days than I used to uh, doing graphics and artwork stuff because the socials are so important now that, you know, you have to have a graphic or or some sort of visual representation of any sort of new thing coming Mm -hmm. out, whether it be a music video or a track release or, you know, a pre-order that's opening up. So it's something that was never a strong part or strong skill, but I've I've had to develop it just because it's so necessary nowadays to to have that visual presence. Do you keep the physical uh, the physical vinyl in your home? Because I, I don't. Oh, um, yeah. This is the crazy thing. I and <laughs> I don't think a lot of people people get confused when I tell them this no records shipped to me whatsoever oh, okay, cool. um, they all go to our distributor because I'm, so, <laughs> one of yeah. my friend anthony from people of punk rock uh it's another label but if you yeah. saw his basement yeah i i wish i could do that and actually have nothing but respect i i wish i could be mike park I actually i don't like oh, Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i I actually don't like Scott at all I, there's just probably Scott fans out there like shutting the show off right now but um I've always had nothing but like the utmost respect for Mike Park and like how he runs his label and, um, you know, having it's a crazy. garage full of records yeah. and he does it all. He packs the mail orders. He, yeah. you know, he, 
he coordinates the releases. He is like the one-stop shop for everything. So at least your um, home, your your house is not too cluttered. That's yeah. good news, though, for your mental so health. I, and <laughs> <laughs> I focus all my time on the project management, yeah. and working with the artists, and it saves me a lot of headaches. So I don't have to spend all day packing mail orders. Exactly. And, you know, dealing with customer service complaints or concerns or whatever it might be. I mean, I do that at times, mm -hmm. but you know, having a distributor is a huge help for us because we, as in like, you know, me and the other people that work for the label, we can just focus on label operations and all the mail orders go through, go through death wish. Oh yeah. And, um, this is the funniest part. So, uh, I have to buy my own records. <laughs> I, I, when the records come out, I actually go to Death Wish and wow. I buy the, my own releases and have them shipped to me. So, wow. Yeah, I mean, I could get them to send them to me, but I, I always buy my own re releases just because I think it's kind of funny. But, That's amazing, you know, because uh, when it's time to get sponsors, I always reach or accept things. That I'm sure that they have good values and definitely doing this, it's a confirmation that it's just <laughs> a good fit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The only thing I have on my record shelves are test presses. I save mm -hmm. those for a rainy day. Oh yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, okay, let's talk a little about the bands. We talked a little about Smoke or Fire, but you have amazing, an amazing catalog. We talked about Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses. Great people in this band. Oh my God. I interviewed Nathan Gray on the podcast. I want to have yeah. Becky too, eventually. Yeah, that was just a cool story of, oh, yeah. you know, Nathan is someone that I knew back in the day. Uh, I used to be a tour manager for Converge and Brand New and a bunch of other bands. And, you know, The cool thing about that was I spent <clears throat> years just on the road and meeting other artists and, you know, building relationships. Mm -hmm. And so Nathan was someone that I haven't talked to in 20 plus years. I never worked with Boyce That's Fire, but, you know, I, I had a reputation and he knew of the label's mm -hmm. reputation and, you know, he, there was a casual relationship there as far as just knowing <clears throat> each other's work. Yeah, Nathan and has when, a, a very strong uh, sense of ethic. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. And when Nathan started looking, he wanted a label for the U.S. and he wanted to work with someone that had similar values and just you know understood what mm -hmm. the new his new band was trying to do. And it was really again another humbling experience. Nathan reached out to. a lot of people and said, Hey, what do you think about iodine? And he couldn't find anyone to say a single bad thing yeah. about the label. So, uh, when Nathan called, he, we had a long talk about, you know, the future of working together and, you know, what it would look like. And it's been a really cool relationship. And, yeah, you know, great. my, a part of my whole philosophy with the label is like being able to give artists a platform to mm -hmm. say things that need to be said. And yeah, Um, obviously you've had him on the show and that's what they do. They, they speak out about the issues that are important to them. And it's oh, yeah. cool to be able to give that platform 
to artists like that. Oh, totally. I also discovered because of your label, uh, Hey Tanks and Airheads on Fire. I love the ba those bands. So yeah, I can. I, I wish I could know more. I'm probably going to interview them at some point eventually. Great. <clears throat> We would love that. Um, I'll tell you about Her Heads on Fire first, just because I think yeah. that's a cool story. <clears throat> So the singer of Her Heads on Fire is Joe Grillo. And Joe used to be in the band Garrison. And Garrison was on the first release that Iodine ever did. Oh. Uh, which was the, that like compilation. Back in the day? The oh, Gears. really? Yeah. So I met Joe at a Get Up Kids show that his band was opening. They had just oh. started. And we, we like hit it off on day one. We became good friends. And he gave me the Garrison and demo and we talked and was like hey you should put a track on this new compilation mm. that we're doing and they gave us a track we became lifelong friends i i put out a garrison record uh on iodine in 2003 <clears throat> and when the label came back joe was one of the first people that i reached out to and we did another garrison record a reissue oh. from yeah from 1999 And, you know, he was like, well, I'm in this new band. It's called Her Heads on Fire. And it's got uh, Jeff from Small Brown Bike. And it's got Jeff Dean from The Bomb. And and it was like, yeah, I mean, this is great stuff. And it was cool because it wasn't just a new band. It was, again, that old relationship mm -hmm. coming back and being part of the label again. Wow. So that was a really cool experience to to do that record. Wow, that's great. And then Hey Thanks is kind of a a curveball for us because they're a young band. They're yeah. some they're people that we never knew before. And a, an old friend of mine is a producer, his name's Gary Sioni. Uh he's known for doing like Hot Mulligan and um a lot of bands that like were on No Sleep Records and Pure Noise Records, and he was in Crime and Stereo. So he called me up out of the blue one day and said, Hey, I just recorded this band called Hey Thanks. And it's the best record I've ever produced. And I'm looking for a home for it. Would you be interested? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And he sent it over and, you know, I was hesitant because I, even though I just told you that the label didn't have a sound, <laughs> it, it for sure was like way more, uh, poppy and very like, poppy you know, yeah you very know, good a though. lot of the releases on iodine have always been a little bit darker yeah I can, <laughs> with, with I, a few exceptions i understand i um, understand what you mean yeah, but yeah why not and so i was like kind of like playing with this in my mind but i mean he was right it, it was such a good record yep and when i met them they were like the nicest kids I've ever talked to. And just, I, I had that, that feeling of, okay, this band could really go on and do something big. Oh yeah. And they are the type of people I want to work with. They just had this, they had this really genuine, sincere attitude towards everything. And they had this level of excitement that I wish I still had that like youthful, you know, they can do, do anything and willing to do anything. And um, yeah, it just, it hit me yeah. hard. And I was like, yeah, I mean, these guys, we need to do the record and it's yeah. been great. I think 
you know, it's definitely a different release than we've ever done before, but um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And it's like you said, young, young people, it's fun to attract like younger bands. We need, we need that in the scene. So yeah. And that's the future. Yeah. You know, and, I, I, I love working with people like Nathan or Jonah Matranga, but you mm -hmm. know, they, you know, young artists are what's going to really stand out in the long run. And, um, you know, I, it's cool to be able to mix the old with the new. And, you know, I, I hope that we can continue to attract younger artists. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to tell a funny story just because oh, it yeah. cracks me up every time I think about it. Uh, one of the guys from Hey Thanks, uh, Travis, he was on a podcast and the podcast host was a big fan of iodine and they oh. asked him, Oh, were you a big fan of iodine back in the day <laughs> with all, you know, these releases? And he goes, well, no, because I wasn't born yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. And then, yeah. I, and then I felt really old. <laughs> I think we're probably around the same age. How old are you? I'm 42. Oh, I'm 38. Yeah. Uh, Same generation, but definitely those guys might not be born at the time. <laughs> yeah. Ah, but it's rad. Like, yeah, I think it's it's amazing. The songs are really well written. Uh, I love the vocals of A Thanks a lot. They are they are a talented group of kids. Like, mm -hmm. I I I expect that big things from them. I think that. You know, they they also have a really amazing ability to balance what I would consider kind of like the older style, like, you know, the emo pop punk style with something new and, and current. And yeah. they bring in a lot of elements of bands like The Main and the 1978, which is kind of like outside my generation. It's not stuff that I really mm -hmm. have gravitated towards, but it's... It's cool to see that balance of like both, both levels of influence for them. Yeah. And what's coming next? Eventually, do you have any release dates? Oh, soon? we have more releases than I can even oh, handle right now. I'll need um, a list. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, there's not much I can talk about. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we have a really big release, probably the biggest release I will ever be a part of, um, mm. being announced in November. Okay. <laughs> and that is still very, very secret. Okay. And, you know, I, I hope your I'm listeners sure you're, are excited about it. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to tell me, like, when it's out so I can I'll, promote I'll it. I'll give you a heads up offline. I'll tell you what it is. Yeah. Um, but next year, we have a completely full release calendar. Uh, in fact, we're turning down new releases now just oh. because we don't have space for it anymore oh but well. it's cool next year is going to be a balance of half reissues okay and half new releases oh like you said and, earlier yeah. like a balance of older stuff and new stuff yeah wow. um i can say that uh the iron roses are going in the studio in mm -hmm. january so you can expect something from them Um, there's going to be a lot of touring. Um, the, the newest release we have out now is the Darling Fire and they're going to be hitting the road hard mm. and, you know, another 
amazing band that I'm really excited about. And um, I guess this isn't really a secret, so I guess I can say this, but uh, we're going to be working on the next Stretch Armstrong reissue, which, you know, yeah. So, and they, they have already sort of leaked that they are maybe writing new music. So I guess you can keep your eyes open for that as well. So yeah, there's, it's no shortage of stuff coming from us. It's going to be a a big year next year. Wow. That's so cool. And how can people uh, reach you? I'm going to put some links in the show notes for sure, but what's the best way to reach iodine uh instagram is iodine recordings and our website is iodinerecords.com and through one of those you can find just about everything else and they can um, order all online online deathwishinc.com mm. uh, that's where our official store is and then we have european distribution through evil greed oh and deathwish europe good Thank you so much. It was such a good chat. I, I'm happy to know more about the history of Iodine and all those great bands. I think I'm going to listen to um, Ate.
Fuck you, man. If you like merch as much as I do, I strongly recommend you the website epicmerchstore.com. They have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, hats, long sleeves, and kids' merch for more than 200 punk rock, ska, hardcore, and metal bands from all around the planet. So if you like bands like Good Riddance, The Dreadnoughts, Friends of Rum, After the Fall, Diesel Boy, Krang, Straight Line, Polly, Randy, and many more. Oh, they also have a Tony Sly tribute merch. They support smaller and bigger bands from all around the world. Plus, they ship worldwide and you can have a flat rate shipping cost. Get your merch at epicmerchstore.com. That's it for today, my friends. I hope you had fun with me. Thank you to Epic Merch Store and Iodine for sponsoring the show. Thank you to Scott Alquist for the edit, to Caroline Morin for the visual. Next week, oh, I'm so excited to receive a woman that had a huge influence on me, the amazing Karina Denike. If you don't know her, just think about the song On the Outside of No Use Burning. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe to the Patreon. Check the link in the show notes. You can also share the episode and tag me on social medias. I can't wait to be back next week, but until then, punk your life!